All right, well, welcome everybody. So glad that you are joining us today online. Skyline Church Worship Online Experience. So glad you're here. My name is, again, Pastor Jeff, and so glad that you're joining us from wherever you are, whoever you are quarantined with uh, at home. So glad that you are here. Thanks for joining us wherever you are. Give Give a shout out. We hope that you'll lean in today, no matter where you are. Lean into this experience. Lean into the fact that Jesus is going to and wants to speak. Right now, really quickly, before we jump into anything, if this is your first time ever joining us online, welcome. So glad that you're here. Listen, give a shout out from wherever you are. We got some hosts in our chat room that want to connect with you. But if it is your first time ever uh, joining us for an online experience, right in the top right of your screen, there's a little button that says new here. Listen, click on that button. There's a little form we would love for you to fill out. We'd actually love to send you just a a little gift uh, for joining us online uh, today as you do that. And and listen, I want to invite you right now, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, April 12th, I want to invite you right now, just make plans, not that you can go anywhere anyway right now, but just make the plans right now with your family to join us for what we're calling Easter at Home next Sunday, uh, April 12th. Get the family together, invite your friends online, invite your family online, just invite everybody you know to join us online for Easter at home. We would love to connect with you there. And then last thing really quickly, there's another button that says groups. We have just relaunched all of our groups online. So if you're looking for some more connection, there's a whole list of groups that you can connect to virtually. We would love to connect with you, give you some uh, other people that you can connect to during the week. We'd love to invite you to do that with us. So here we go. Let's jump in. Get something to write on. Get something to write with. Take some notes. Get our app out. You can jot some notes on there. Do whatever you need to do. Follow along uh, as we dive in on this Palm Sunday. We're going to continue our Fierce Jesus series. Here we go. We're just going to pick up in Mark chapter 3. We're going to jump right in. It says, another time Jesus went into the synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. And so they watched him closely to see if, they, if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked at them in anger. Come on, just be nice, Jesus. Like, why can't you just be nice? But Jesus, it says that he he looked at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out, the religious leaders went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. No matter wherever you are, uh, whoever you're next to, I I just want you to just put on the most frustrated face that you can, uh, like an angry, frustrated face. Turn to whoever's next to you. just, Just a nasty look on your face. Just repeat after me. Say, this isn't working. This isn't working. And so I wonder, is, is there anything in your life recently that doesn't seem to be working? Now, I know there's a really obvious answer to that question for, for all of us right now. 
Uh, but, but, but I'm wondering if, if there's something currently in your life that, 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 isn't, that, that maybe was working at one point but isn't working now. Maybe, maybe your marriage, your, uh, a relationship. And I'm going to be honest, it, it, it takes some courage to admit when something isn't working. Especially when it's comfortable. Because sometimes it's, it's easier to stay in familiar bondage than it is to embrace uncomfortable freedom. To, 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 to admit that it's not working, it actually requires some courage. Like, it used to work, maybe on the outside to everybody else, it looks like it's working, but, but this, this isn't working. And just getting to that point where, where you're ready to admit it can be really difficult because sometimes we don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't know how this is going to play out. If I just keep going, if I just keep giving an effort, is it, is it going to work? Does this thing just need some more time? And by, by, by churches love preaching that. Just keep going. Just give it some more time. Just, just keep trying. But, but see, really quick, I think that most of us really fall into two different categories. Some of us, no matter how broken the situation is, we'll just keep going, doing what we've always done, doing the same things that that we're we're used to, and it's not working, and it's not working, but we're just going to keep on going and keep on going. And then I I think some of us fall into a second category is you finally figure out that there's a new way to do something. Uh, There's a new way to communicate. There's a new way to break free. Uh, But but. But two days into the new process, you don't like the results that you're getting yet. And so you don't want the process, you just want the results. Let, let, let's go back. Verse 1. It said, another time Jesus went into the synagogue, into the church, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. It says that some of them, some of the religious leaders, some of the other people there were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. And so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And so what we have in, in this narrative, in this story, is we have, a, we have a failed system and a frustrated Savior, right? Because it said that Jesus looked at them with anger. And the, and the thing that's going to bridge these two, the, the gap in between the two, is this man who is there, this man with a shriveled hand. Because in verse 1, it says that, Jesus shows up to church. The most important person that ever walked the earth shows up. The only one who's able to bring you from death into life. The the only one who came for you. He's present. He's there. And and you might expect, what I would expect in that moment is, as they're getting ready to list who's there with them, I would expect that they're going to come up and and they're going to name somebody who's really important. Uh, they're going to name some. Jesus was there, and, and then this executive was there. Je- Jesus was there, and this, this really important person. But when Mark comes to get ready to tell roll call from the day who was there, he doesn't list the person with the BMW and the bank accounts and the retirement home. No, 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 no. He mentions a man with a situation that could have and probably should have kept him from being there in the first place. Come on, some, some of y'all think that you're the last person who should be in church. But what I want to tell you is that in Jesus' kingdom, you're probably first on the list. And it's likely that this man, because of his deformity, because of his shriveled hand, he would have been excluded from worship. But the good news is, is he only had a deformity in one hand. And so when it's only one, you can hide the bad one and you can shake everyone's hand with the good one. 
Well, I can only imagine that much to his chagrin, much to his surprise, Jesus calls him out in front of everyone. Essentially, probably in his mind thinking, he's going to, like, what, what is Jesus going to do? He's going to use this as an example, as an object lesson. The reality is this, is that Jesus will always use your situation to fix the system that created it. We all have situations today. And, you, and you're lucky you're not in front of me because some of y'all be looking at me like, no, I don't. And you would make me ask the Holy Spirit to guess what your situation is. But we all have it. And listen, I'm not talking about your Sunday situation. That's different. Jesus didn't come to preach to your Sunday, and honestly, neither did I, because Jesus is the one who speaks to the things that aren't working. He speaks to the place that's not functioning. He speaks to the place that you have learned how to conceal, and he reveals his glory and his strength and his power through your weakness. One thing I'm so grateful for in Scripture, in the New Testament, something that Paul helps us understand is that it is theologically impossible for my situation to separate me from God. Now listen, there, there, there's a great list in Romans chapter 8, and I, I hope maybe this week you'll find some time to read it. If you're down this week, if you're distraught this week, if you're feeling like you're not going to make it this week, listen, when you feel like you, Jesus isn't there, when you can't sense him, when... Maybe even if you're struggling to believe that he's there at all, open your Bible to Romans chapter 8, starting verse 35, and you're going to find a list of situations, listen to me, a list of situations that cannot, will not, may not, and they do not have the permission or the power to separate you from God. And so, so Paul makes a list. In Romans chapter 8, and he begins, he names trouble on there, but he starts in verse 35, he says, who shall separate us? And in personifying all the things that we walk through, he wants us to understand the, the person and the power of Jesus. Listen, Jesus is always greater. That's why we say his is the name that is above every other name. If you can name your situation, then there's a name that's greater than it. There's a work that's greater than it. There's a savior that's greater than it. And there's a grace working in you that's greater than your circumstance. So Paul says what? Is, is trouble going to separate you? Is hardship persecution? Those that don't like you, those that aren't for you, those that didn't speak kindly about you, shall famine Lack, the things that I don't have is nakedness, danger, sword, and he takes it up a notch. Death is life, life is a situation. Angels, demons, the present, what I'm walking through, the future, the things that I'm worried about that I haven't even experienced yet, the height. No depth. And then he says, nothing in all of creation. In case all of that didn't cover you. He says, hey, anything in all of creation. If you can put a name on your situation, I can point you to a name that is greater than it. So I don't care what you did. I don't care what they said. I don't care what you've lost. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're going. It's impossible for your situation to separate you from your source. Come on, look at whoever's next to you and just say, it's, it's just a situation. Because it's, it's not my identity. It's just a situation. Listen, this man 
had a situation, but his situation is not him. See, someone has walked through divorce, but you need to know that divorce is not you. Someone, someone's walking through addiction, but you need to understand the addiction is not your identity. Walking through depression, you may be walking through it, but depression is not who you are. How do I know this? I know this because Mark calls him the man with a shriveled hand. He does not call him the shrivel-handed man. He's a man with an issue, but the issue is not him. Come on, some of y'all, even at home, I need you to help me out this morning. And in all reality, in this story, the real situation here in this text is not the man's hand. It's actually the people's heart. I, I, I I don't know if you caught that, but it's one thing to have a bad hand. It's, it's an entirely other thing to have a bad heart. You know, and, I, and I've read this story before. I've come across it before. Read it countless times before. And, and I just want to give us five things that Jesus has come to fix. And if we'll allow him to, if, we, if, if we'll open our heart and we'll, we'll open our lives and our circumstances, there's some stuff that, and, and listen, he's going to fix the man's situation, right? We read that. We, we read that the man left that day with two good hands. But before that ever happens, Jesus is going to challenge the system because that's what Jesus does. He, he's fierce that way. He, he doesn't just fix the situation. That's not how he operates because the reason he does it that way is if he only fixed the situation and not the system, the system would still be in place and then would end up leaving you with another situation. And then there would just be another situation down the road and another one after that and another one after that. See, so many of us go from situation to situation to situation We can never find time to pray. We can never find time to fill our faith. Like we try to pray, but when I do, I've got to pray about all the different situations. I've got to pray for my mom, and she's sick, and I've got to pray for the missionary who I've never met before. And by the time you get down your whole list of situations, you're tired and you fell asleep. Did you ever notice, listen, if you're a leader, if you own something, run something, lead anything, listen, this is a freebie. This is a breakout leadership moment just for you. When you run around fixing situations all day, you actually disempower the decision-making ability in your organization. Because it's, it's one thing to, to know when something isn't working. There's a lot of people are good at that. Most of us are good at knowing when something, it, it doesn't take a genius to know when something isn't working. You just need a Facebook account. Like you could, you could spend your entire day Telling people who don't really care about things that are broken that you can't fix anyway. It's, it's one thing to know when it's not working. It's an entirely other thing to know why it isn't working. It's, it's one thing for me to know that having all four of my kids home all the time and trying to homeschool them and by noon no one wants to be around each other. It's one thing for me to know that. It's another thing to know why. That our communication breaks down and, and, and we have to figure out how to motivate and, and how to connect and how to inspire. It's one thing to know that you feel lonely. But it's an entirely other thing to understand why you feel that way. To, to maybe understand that it's, it's not everyone else's fault around you. But maybe there's a system working inside of you that's keeping you that way. 
We always want to point fingers, but listen, your circumstance that you're in right now may actually be pointing to something going on inside of you that's keeping you stuck where you are. And listen, Jesus is not a situational God. He's a God of systems. He gets to the root causes. So what does Jesus do? Jesus shows up to church. He shows up to the synagogue. Why? That was their system of worship. And on top of that, he goes on the Sabbath, their day of rest. And so in the middle of that system, he finds a situation, and he stood it up, and he used it as a way to fix their system. First thing he he fixed with this, if you're writing anything down, is, is their pessimism. Pessimism is simply a result of considering your situation before considering your source. When I consider everything around me before I even consider who's inside of me. And and when you do that, when when you look at your circumstances, instead of going to your source, I promise you'll feel overwhelmed every time. And listen, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of, of evaluating my circumstances before engaging with my source. And when I do, I feel overwhelmed. Go back to verse 2. It says, some of them were looking. Remember, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They they were watching him closely to see what he was going to do. They were looking for something wrong. And listen, that's a principle of the universe. You don't have to know Jesus. You don't have to love Jesus. It's this, you will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for a reason to be offended, you will be offended. If you're looking for a reason to be bitter, you will. We'll find it every time. So many of us have been trained by our disappointments in life that you walk into every situation, no matter how much is in your favor, you will still find something negative. You're going to assume it's not going to work out. Someone's going to betray you. I'm not going to finish. It won't work. We've been trained by our insecurities not to expect people to like us. And, and so guess what happens? You, you go around and, and secretly inside of you go, no one likes me. I go out into my day and say, I go think, no one really cares about me. No, no one's checking in on me. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody talks to me. No, nobody friends me. Well, guess what's going to happen? The, the, your, your situation is going to start reflecting your psychology. Because Scripture says, as a man thinks, so he is. It's only a matter of time before your situation starts to look like your self-talk. You've said it so much. You're looking, you are actually looking for a reason to prove a conclusion that you have already made without ever actually collecting any evidence. You, you look at people and think it can't get better because it's always been this way. But Jesus looked at the man and said, hey, you stretch out your hand. I came to speak something better over you and into your life. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. Nobody, man, nobody, nobody. Why, why are you so surprised when they fulfill your own prophecy? The second thing that Jesus came to fix is our prejudice. Now listen, there's nothing in this passage at all that talks about the man's skin color, his ethnicity, his background, his economic status, none of that. 
know, when I read Mark 3, I, I, I see prejudice. And it's, it's not directed at the, the man with the, the shriveled hand. There's actually some prejudice towards Jesus. And I, I can already tell some of y'all are thinking right now, I, what do you mean? I don't get it. That's a stretch. Let, let me help us out. I'm going to break down this word. Prejudice. All that word means is to pre-judge. That, that's what it is. I, I, I have made up my mind. I have pre-judged you. And it doesn't, listen, prejudice doesn't just happen on racial or socioeconomical lines. Preju- listen, this is what it is. Prejudice is any time you put yourself in the judge's seat or the jury box. These people, these men actually had the opportunity to witness a miracle, but instead of being a witness, they wanted to be a judge. And every day that we wake up, we have the opportunity to be a witness to the miracle of life, to the miracle of what Jesus is doing. We get to be a witness to what's happening in our life, what's happening in other people's lives. But listen, you can't be a witness if you insist on being a judge. Have you? Have you already made up your mind how God can bless? When God can bless? Who he can bless? Have you, have you already made up your mind like how Jesus can do the things he does and, and it's so much so to the extent that you actually miss that the author of life is standing right in front of you? And these people are actually plotting and trying to find a way to kill the very one that was sent to give them life? Why? They had already made up their minds. So, so many times we'll ask for wisdom, but then we'll, we'll prejudge the person that Jesus sent to us to give us wisdom. So rather than accept it, we don't like the vehicle that it came in, so we'll send it back and we'll miss the opportunity that Jesus was trying to do. We miss the systems in us that he's trying to straighten out. Turn to whoever's next to you and just say, fix the system. You see, Jesus was a threat. They had already made up their mind that they were looking for evidence. It's it's called confirmation bias. But here's the great thing about it. Confirmation bias can be a good thing. Here's what it is. If you wake up every day believing that he is for you, you're going to look for it. If you wake up every day believing that all things work together for my good, I'm going to look for it and I'm going to find it. When you believe that, when, you, you, when you're looking for reasons to rejoice instead of accuse, it causes you to weigh things very differently. So we can actually do what the Apostle Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, in one hand, we're pressed, but on the other hand, we're, we're not crushed. On, on, on the one hand, I'm persecuted, but on the other hand, I'm not abandoned. On the one hand, I'm struck down, but on the other hand, we're not destroyed. In other words, if you would get out of the judge's seat and get a witness mentality, Jesus, I want to see the good in people. I want to see the best in people. I want to believe the best in people. I want to see the opportunity in the opposition. I'm not looking for a reason to be offended. I'm actually looking for a way to forgive. How many of y'all are glad that Jesus looked beyond my faults, saw my needs? He could have accused me. He could have condemned me. He could have cast me down, but he didn't. He looked past all of that, and he redeemed me. I'm grateful for what Jesus overlooked in me. 
but they got it twisted. Instead of looking for an opportunity to meet a need, they were looking for a reason to accuse. And sometimes we're in difficult situations and we get it twisted. Jesus puts you there to fix it, not complain about it. The, the man can't work because in, in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us that it was his right hand. Most likely his dominant hand, the hand of blessing, because in the Jewish culture, the, the right hand was the hand of blessing. He needs a blessing in order to be a blessing. Sometimes we try to be something that we've never received ourselves, and so it doesn't work. So Jesus stands the man up, and, and he decides to pick a fight. And so, I, I'm, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disrupt your, your Mr. Rogers-Jesus uh, relationship. You know, the one where Jesus says, guys, come on, can we just get along? Can it just be okay? Like, like it, it's going to, guys, can you, no, 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 no. Look, we, we've been in this series for a while now. That, that Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Jesus is fierce. That's who he is. Listen, he could have, in that moment, decided to take that man aside. He, he did not have to do this this way. He could have said to Peter, because Peter's always ready to do something. Peter's always like, who can I take out? Who can I take down? So he could have looked at Peter and said, Peter, you see that man with the shriveled hand? Yeah, Jesus, what do you want me to do? You want me to get rid of him? No, no, no. I, Peter, what I want you to do is I, I, want you just to, I want you to pull that man aside. Like at, after service, will, will you just get him? Make sure he doesn't go. I, I'm going to heal his hand, but, but it's the Sabbath. And, and we're, not supposed to, we're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. And I don't want to offend anybody. Just, just, just pull him aside. Make sure he doesn't leave. Because it's not on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest. Six, six days of work, and on the, on the seventh, we rest. We get to be like God. It, it, we rest like he did. Work, 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 rest. That's the pattern we see in creation. Work, 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 rest. Some of y'all got it backwards. You do rest, 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 work. But the, the Sabbath was designed for us to rest the way that God did. But, but that's just a shadow because the real Sabbath is Jesus. Because it's his work that enables us to rest from ours. That's the gospel. I, so many of us have spent so much time trying to earn it, trying to be worthy, trying to do enough, trying to be good enough. Listen to me. Jesus' work is what enables us to rest. But they're so consumed with their Sabbath, they're missing the true Sabbath, and what, they're, what Jesus came to fix, the third thing, is our perversion. And I know we usually use the word prejudice when, for reasons, for racial reasons, and we use the word perversion for sexual reasons, but, but this is a perversion, because a perversion is any time a gift is used against its intention. That, that is what a perversion is. So, so Jesus heals him. Not only does Jesus stand him up publicly and call him out, but he does it on the Sabbath, which is, under, it would be understandable if this guy had a gunshot wound. Because here, here's what the religious people had done. God gave them the gift of Sabbath. 
He said, you're going to work six days. You're going to rest on the seventh. And when you rest, it's going to be a picture of how I rest. But it's only a shadow of the real rest and the real promise that I have for my people. So it was intended to be a gift. But they took and they did what we tend to do with gifts when we don't understand their intention. We, we get it twisted. And so Jesus shows up on a day that you're not supposed to work. And, and, and they had little rules. Uh, they, 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 they took one commandment to, to rest on the Sabbath, and they had made 600 different regulations. One command, 600 rules. They had a system for every possible situation. They had a rules like this. If you were going to go on a journey, you could take 1,999 paces. But the moment you took a 2,000th step, you worked. And you broke the Sabbath. If, if somebody had a dislocated hand or dislocated foot, you were not allowed to set it back in place on the Sabbath. And so for a good observant Jew, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, if you were hurt, dislocated, you were not allowed to do anything about it. But if the person was about to die, you could do it. How kind of the pastors to, to say that if you were going to die, we can help you on the Sabbath. And it sounds crazy to us we, because we don't, we don't observe Sabbath the same way that they do. We, 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 we don't get it. But, but, but what ends up happening is, is they, they twist it to the point where they forget what Jesus actually said in the Gospel of Mark. So in, in, in Mark chapter 2, late, late in Mark chapter 2, Jesus and his disciples were walking on the Sabbath and, and they did something that was considered work. Uh, they, they took heads of grain, and they were hungry, and so they took the heads of grain, and they rubbed the heads of grain together to get down to the part that was edible so that they could eat. And the religious people looked at them and said, hey, you're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus looks and said, hey, you missed the entire point. You missed the entire point of Sabbath. It was a gift. You were so caught up in your system that you pervert it and you twist it. Because Jesus said this in Mark chapter 2. He said, listen, the Sabbath, listen, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And, and that, that sounds weird because we don't celebrate that. So I'll say it this way. Stuff was made for man, not man for stuff. And that's, that's the essence of this. When you take what's a good gift and you turn that gift into God, it becomes destructive. They had taken the gift of God and twisted it so much so that it had become a prison. They were serving something that was intended to serve them. So when God sees you chasing material possessions, he would say, hey, that stuff was meant to serve you. Why in the world are you serving something that's supposed to be serving you? It's out of order. And so we've got a man who can't work because of his condition. We have a system of religion that's failed, and they refuse to work that day. Why? Because it's the Sabbath, and you don't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, hey, the Sabbath is for you, not you for the Sabbath. It was a gift. Why would you twist the gift? I got to thinking, how, how many gifts have I been given that I've twisted you know, maybe Jesus gives you a person, a relationship to, 
to encourage and we begin to get so needy and so frustrated that we actually twist the relationship and ruin it. How, how many people will you sleep with before you realize that sex is a good gift, but it's a terrible master? Because within a certain context, the, it's a great gift, but when you get it twisted, it starts to take over our lives. And Jesus said, hey, you've got it out of order. You put the Sabbath before people, but in my kingdom, I put people before the Sabbath. Religion always gets it twisted, gets it out of order. Religion will tell you that you have to change so Jesus will love you. The reality is, is I change because I'm already loved. This is the message of the cross. We love him because he first loved us. And when we get that out of order, you will twist the gifts. So Jesus says, this isn't working. And he calls the man and he gives a demonstration. Because remember, the gospel is always a demonstration, not a, not a presentation. And so he stands the man up, and he could have easily called that man back to church the next day. The guy's not dying. He's lived this long with a shriveled hand. What's one more day? Oh, by the way, when, when life deals you a bad hand, don't fold. Some of you are, are holding on to a bad hand. You've been dealt something you didn't expect, and it's terrible, and it's painful, and I understand that, and Christ has compassion for it, but whatever you do, don't fold, because Jesus will change the entire system through the most desperate situations. This is how hope works. Stand up and stretch out. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait to do it. Then that's the fourth thing Jesus came to fix. That's our procrastination. Procrastination will always prevent you from experiencing the power of Jesus. Always. Because when you, when you wait until, well, I'm going to put it off. I'm going to do it later. Oh, when, when I get things figured out, when, when my life lines up, when my calendar makes sense, when things get up, when I, when I put it off, I miss experiencing the power of Jesus. I honestly wish Mark chapter 3 verse 5 worked differently. I want to put it back up there for us to see it. Remember it said that it said that he looked at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, "Stretch out your hand." And scripture says he stretched it out. And his hand was completely restored. Remember, Jesus is... The condition of this man's hand externally was the condition of these people's hearts internally. And so Jesus is taking the visible. Jesus is taking the tangible. Jesus is using this situation to point at something that's going on inside. But here's how, here's how I thought that this verse should read. What I want that last sentence to say in verse five, what, what I think it should say is that his hand was completely restored and then he stretched it out. Because in, in my mind, that's the way that it should work when Jesus changes things. He fixes it and it's restored and then you stretch it out. But what we find here in the story is that the order is really important. We, we discover something about the way that Jesus works in our lives. 
the man stretched out his hand and it was restored. He did what he couldn't do. He did what he wasn't allowed to do. And in, in loving those that you can't love and in forgiving those you can't forgive and in trusting your eyes to believe what you can't. Listen, he did not stretch out his hand because it was healed. His hand was healed because he stretched it out. We keep waiting for feelings. But feelings follow faith. You don't have to feel it to believe it. If you believe it, you will see it. The goodness of God in the land of the living. Jesus says to everybody with a bad hand, with a bad circumstance, I know that sometimes you come to church with your good hand out. I know sometimes you go through life with your good hand out. And you've got profiles, and you've got pictures, and you've got images, and you've got one sentence bios on your social media accounts. But Jesus doesn't bless the bio. He's gonna bless, bless your brokenness. And it's when we lay down number five, when we lay down our pride, when we get to a place where I'm willing to stand up in the midst of controversy, to stand up in the middle of a hopeless and desperate situation, to stand up in the middle of famine, stand up in the middle of lack, stand up in the middle of my weakness, in the middle of my discouragement, in the middle of my darkness, in the middle of my failure, and stretch out my hand, and stretch out my faith, and open your heart, and believe that Jesus is here, and that in Him and through Him, all things are possible. If we stretch out, not going to get this blessing with your arms crossed waiting to see if Jesus will do it and acting like you don't really need it but he stretches out his hand and Jesus healed him in an unusual way at an unusual time on the day that they weren't supposed to work, <laughs> the man was able to start working again. When's Jesus gonna do it? He's gonna do it when you least expect it. You know who Jesus is gonna do it through? <laughs> the ones who least deserve it. You know who's not gonna see it happen? The ones who just wanna sit there waiting and say, I, I don't think this is gonna happen. But if you don't mind praising him right now, if you don't mind standing on your feet right where you are, come on, stretch out your hands, lift up your voice, lift your hands and begin to praise the name of Jesus right where you are. If you'll stretch out your hands, stretch out your, listen, don't praise Jesus because you got the blessing. You praise Jesus because he is the blessing. Come on, lift up his name wherever you are right now. Stay standing right where you are. Don't sit down. Jesus did what he shouldn't do so that the man could do what he wasn't able to do. Right there in front of all the critics, in front of all the people who didn't like it because they were out of order. You keep going to people that's out of order. 
if you'll do what he asked, if you'll you'll do what he said, listen, I promise it's simple. Stretch out your hand. I I wonder if the man was tempted to stretch out his good hand. <laughs> you got to stretch out the, the shriveled one. The hand that you need to be a good husband, the hand that you need to be a good wife, the hand that you need to be a good parent, the hand that you need to be a good owner, the hand that you need to run a business, the hand that you need to fix broken relationships. There are some things that are not working and maybe you didn't know why and you're running from situation to situation to situation, from relationship to relationship to relationship, from thing to thing to thing to thing, from job to job to job, from high to high to high, and it's the system. Jesus is so fierce. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus is so fierce, he found a loophole. He says, hey, I can't set this man's hand back because it's the Sabbath. Jesus said, listen, I I didn't come to break the law. I came to fulfill it. So watch what Jesus does. (laughs) Jesus tells this man to stretch out his hand. Jesus doesn't touch this man. The religious people are watching. They got their arms crossed, looking for a reason to accuse, looking for a reason to, to, to find a reason to kill Jesus. You can't do that. It's the Sabbath. There's no working allowed on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, oh, this right here, this isn't work. It's a word. I didn't stretch out my hand. He stretched out his hand. And now I can understand why Jesus went to the cross. And so that it wouldn't be from my works. It wouldn't be from what I did. Now I know why Jesus stretched out his hand and why he did it because I couldn't. Because it's grace by faith that I am saved. It's not by my works so that nobody can boast. I can't do it with my hands. So Jesus stretched out his on the cross for me. Right now, wherever you are, stretch your hands out. Stretch your hands out. We're going to pray. Remember, Jesus Jesus is using the, the visible, the tangible to get at something going on inside of you, each and every one of you. Right now, under the sound of my voice, there's something going on. The Holy Spirit is telling you there's, there's a system inside of you. There's an addiction inside of you. There's, there's something inside of you that's, that's broken. And my prayer right now is that as you stretch out your hands, it'll be the same faith that you're going to have the faith to believe that you don't just stretch out once it's been healed. But as you stretch out your hands, to Je- not to me, but to Jesus this morning, it's going to be completely healed. And Jesus, right now, we just come before you as your people, as your church, and we declare in faith that we don't just stretch out our hands after we've been healed. Jesus, in faith, we take every addiction, every brokenness, every circumstance, every situation, every lie, every prison, every stronghold, everything that
that's holding us back, everything that's twisted inside of us in faith. Right now, we stretch it out and we believe that it's completely healed in Jesus' name. Jesus, you're worthy. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. You're good and you're worthy. Amen. Whatever that circumstance is, whatever that situation is, whatever that brokenness, addiction, depression, anxiety, hurt, bitterness, anger, stronghold, chain, something twisted inside of you. Listen to me. Jesus is calling you today. Stretch out your hand. And maybe for the very first time, you've never really entered into a genuine relationship with Jesus. You just have to know he stands ready and available for you today. Or maybe you've been away from home for a long time. Maybe as a child or as a teenager, earlier in life, you, you followed Jesus, you loved Jesus, but you've been away. I want to invite you. Listen, Jesus stands with arms wide open today saying, son, daughter, come home. Something we say every single week, listen to me. The worst thing in the world you could do is be inspired to make change and then do nothing about it. Here's what I want you to do right now. If you know that there's a system inside of you, something going on, you prayed a prayer, you're taking a step of faith. Here's what I want you to do right now in this moment. There's a little button on your screen that says action. I want you to take action this morning. Click on that little link and fill out a little card that says, hey, this is the decision I made today. Maybe I'm starting a new relationship with Jesus. I'm restarting a relationship with I know that I need to be baptized. I know that I need to take a next step. I know that I need more out of this relationship. Listen, let us know because we want to come alongside you and pray with you and partner with you as you journey with Jesus. Listen, the last thing we're going to do is this. We always have an opportunity to give. And, and if you're new with us, if you're checking us out online and maybe for the very first time, listen, we're so glad that you're here today watching. I really hope that you did fill out that little digital card that says you're new here because we'd love to send you a little gift it, through email this week just to say thank you for being here with us. But if you call Skyline your home, listen, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. Listen, there's, there's two really easy ways for you to give right now. You can give online through our app, our website, and you can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Now listen, we have an amazing opportunity coming up this week. And I want to tell you about it because it's your generosity that enables the church in this season to be generous. So here's something that we're doing as a church. We've been looking for ways to be the church. We've been looking for ways to be a movement of Jesus's kingdom all throughout this city. So here's something we're doing this week. And the plan and the hope is that we'll do this every single week in this, in this time and in this season. We have bought out a food truck. And so this coming Thursday, that food truck is gonna be in our parking lot. 
And anybody who's in need of a meal, a family who's in need of a meal, is going to be able to drive up, roll down their window, and get a meal free from us because of your generosity. Listen, we bought it out. We're getting ready to provide a bunch of food. Listen, if you want to be a part of that in any way, if you want to come help, serve some people, give out some food, you can also, listen, you can give directly to that. When you give, there's a little uh, there's a little giving line that says COVID-19 response. If you want to give directly to providing meals to families this week and in the coming weeks, you can give directly through that. And everything given to that will go directly towards feeding people. So I'm so excited to get a chance to meet a need, people who are struggling to find food to make ends meet. We're going to be feeding feeding people this Thursday in our parking lot. Listen, it's going to be exciting. If you want to know more about that, you can get some more information. You can reach out. Listen, always stay connected to us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Reach out. Listen, if you have a need, let us know. Direct message us. Email us. Let us know. Church, we are praying for you. We are standing beside you. We are with you. We are fighting for you. Listen, Nothing is going to stop the movement of God's kingdom in our church and in our city. Right now, stick your hands up. I want to bless you as we close. I pray that right now that our Heavenly Father would cause His presence to go before you, to be behind you, to be all around you, to be in you and that he would cause his face to shine upon you and to give you peace and to give you rest. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, stay connected with us on social media. Get connected to a virtual group. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody.